Hey everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind for episode 86 of the Solopreneur Grind podcast. I'm happy to be joined by Ellen Goodwin, productivity coach and consultant. Ellen, thanks very much for coming on the show today. Super excited to be here, Josh. I'm going to quickly date this. It is December the 6th, 2020. I don't always date episodes, but the reason why I think this one is super important is because we're all in the mix of varying degrees of lockdown and COVID and et cetera, et cetera could not be a more fitting time to talk about productivity. But Ellen, before we dive right in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm a productivity consultant, trainer, coach. I'm an author of a book about productivity, uh, which I'm sure we'll touch on later. I'm a TEDx speaker and uh, you know, speak for other people or to other groups. Um, run a podcast and I just help people get their things done. I'm not going to say what I usually say because I don't know how clean you like to keep it. <laughs> uh, we're, we're not we're not overly picky here and, and I'm super excited to get into that stuff. But Ellen, can you talk to us about where your career started? Were you always in this line of business or you know, even going back as far as or, or I don't know how far, but finishing school and kind of starting your career? What, what did that look like for you? Oh, uh, it was a big old mess. Uh, I went to I went to college with the whole idea of becoming a lawyer, and so I did all the the law stuff. I had internships all over the place. My final internship, my senior year, I worked for the public defender's office of Washington D.C., which was really cool, and it convinced me that there was no way in hell I was going to be a lawyer <laughs> because I could not have been more bored. And so all of a sudden, it's my, you know, the end of my senior year and all the things I thought I was going to do next. I'd taken my law school exams. You know, all of a sudden, the stuff I thought I was going to do didn't happen. And uh, I graduated. I moved to Washington, D.C. because I knew people there. Uh, I grew up in a small town in central Minnesota, and I was not staying in Minnesota. So I moved to Washington, D.C. I spent three years doing randomly interesting things. I ran a toy store, a little boutique toy store. I worked for AARP. I did things. Um, and after about three years, I decided I needed to be doing something else. So I moved to California, Southern California, to go to art school, advertising art school, become a graphic designer. Thought I'd stay here for a year. Ended up meeting my future ex-husband. And so it's like 30, what are we at? 33 years later, I'm still here. <laughs> um, from being a graphic designer, I got into advertising. Worked for various advertising agencies. After a few years, you know, things were contracting, writing on the wall. So I left and became my own boss and ran my own business for 20 something years doing creative advertising, graphic design. But along the way, there was this point in time where I almost lost the business because I fell into what I like to call the pit of procrastination. And mm -hmm. I like, you know, everything was way more interesting than what I was supposed to be doing. And so I'm, you know, I'd miss a couple deadlines and clients love that. They just love it when you miss deadlines. And I'm being so facetious there. <laughs> and I didn't learn from that. And I kept losing deadlines, putting them off, doing other things. And I lost clients. I lost business and almost lost the whole business. And that's when I sat down with myself and said, you know, you're a smart woman. What the hell are you doing? And that's 
basically the turning point when I started doing a lot of research, taking classes, uh, talking with people, courses, learning what was going on when I procrastinate and couldn't focus and couldn't build good habits. And from all of that information, I started putting together systems and tools I used to bring me back up out of that pit where the business was almost gone. And mm -hmm. my business took off. I was doing great. But people noticed and they started asking me, you know, what are you doing? How are you doing that? And so that's when I started training people. And that became a lot more interesting to me and a lot more fun. And so I sort of just slowly segued out of graphic design, began teaching, training, writing my book, all of those things. And here we are today in COVID, <laughs> uh, as we talked about, yeah. I'm in, we're starting tonight, lockdown in Southern California for three weeks. So right. there I am, wrap it all up. Right, it'll be more important than ever to stick to your own practices. Ellen, I, I wanna, first, before getting more into the business side, what was it like navigating those first few years when your, we'll call it, I guess your future career was so uncertain, right? Because I, I think your story, it's definitely an interesting one and you're bouncing around all over the place and that's probably more common than we think for a lot of people. What do you mm -hmm. recommend for those that are earlier on in their career? Maybe they're uncertain about things. Maybe they just finished a program that now they're not so excited to, to you know, pursue in the in the real world, we'll call it, when you actually get a job. I'm, I'm actually a Canadian lawyer myself, so I can relate to the big difference <laughs> between what goes on in law school and then what happens when you walk through the doors of a, of a law firm. But I, I'm interested to hear advice on for those who are at the beginning of their career, maybe they're not so certain. Do you have maybe some advice on how they could navigate that or the key takeaways from when you navigated it? Uh, from the one when I decided I wasn't going to be a lawyer? Is well, that, really, it, it from... sounds like really those first few years, right? Because then you jumped around from different gigs, then you moved to California, then you decided mm -hmm. to go back to school. How, 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 what would you recommend for people to kind of make navigating a lot of that uncertainty, which I think is quite normal at the beginning of many people's careers? How can people navigate that a little bit better? Well, I think one of the key things I learned from that, and I use it all the time now, I mean, just it applies to my business now, it always is experimentation, just knowing, especially when you get out of college, when you're just trying to figure it out, you can experiment. I mean, nothing you're going to do is, is going to possibly scar you for life. Uh, granted, I mean, there's a few things, but for the most part, experiment. And, and realize that, you know, you can tell yourself, I, I'm going to do this for a year. And at the end of the year, I'll talk to myself about, it. is it working? What could I be doing different? And staying open to what's going to show up. I know mm -hmm. when I had moved to DC and I had worked, I worked for, um, I can't even remember what they, they called themselves, but it was, it dealt with, it dealt with timeshares and it was a weird place and i left there and out of the blue one of the women that i worked with her boyfriend he was had this toy store and you know do you want to manage it and i'm like i can play with toys all the time but just being open to what was happening and what could happen and believing that 
there's going to be a path, especially at the beginning, because it's just like there is so much. And I think when you're unsure, just being open mm -hmm. and seeing, okay, this is this is nothing I'm going to do is is going to end my career. It, it's going to open right. up things. And and just I do believe you have to believe. And I know that sounds a little Pollyanna-ish, mm -hmm. but you know, for the most part, just experiment. Yeah. You, and, and, and I find the same thing in business, right? If you're unsure about what to do, maybe you're putting things off, put it out there, test it, give it a try. Mm -hmm. Usually things, maybe good things don't happen the next day, but over time they, they, you, you tend to be able to figure it out. And so what do you think it was that ultimately drew you towards the advertising space? Well, you know, I was, I was doing the graphic design and the advertising. Just, I loved, uh, this is going to date me. <laughs> I usually get to that. It's uh, sneakily. I usually get that out of people somehow. How old are you really? Um, back when, when I had gotten into graphic design and advertising, advertising was going through this enormous change, uh, in in minnesota and and for the life of me i because you said it and i i cannot think of the ad agency but it was they changed advertising in such a way that the advertising never really went back and it was a lot of print that they did and i was just in love with what they were doing and just in love with the idea of advertising you know let me let me share with you let let you know not sell to you but let the graphics of it, the beauty of it. I mean, I would sit and go through uh, advertising. Yes, there's books you know, <laughs> of like really good. And I would just I got a love few that. Down, down yeah. near, near the bottom specifically. I, have, <sighs> I think Og Ogilvy on advertising is the last one Ogilvy's that I read. Uh, such, but yeah. that, that's such a good book. Um, but yeah, I mean, I used to get Ad Age every, every Monday. I'd pick up Ad Age and, you know, it was it was porn. <laughs> I, will, I will own up that it was just visual porn for me and I loved it. Awesome. And so what ultimately led you to opening your own business? Because that's obviously a big decision up until that point. Huge. It sounds like it was mostly employment, but you had some management, maybe some leadership opportunities. Yeah. So how yeah. did that come about? Well, um, there was there was a recession <laughs> and with the recession came a lot of scaling back uh the company i was working for at at the time you know we had a couple big accounts that weren't going anywhere one was the electric company okay the gas and electric they're not going anywhere we had a hospital but other accounts were smaller and they were you know people were scaling back and there was the writing on the wall um i'd always wanted to be a freelancer, to you know, run my own business, just to be in charge of, of, of my future. And so when I saw things were going to come down, I looked at what I had for money. I looked at potential clients that I could take with me or other clients that, you know, they could introduce me to. And I just made a decision, put a, a line in the sand, uh, it was like the, it was the week of Halloween hmm. <laughs> and I was like, I'm done. I'm done. And my then husband and I had a, a week planned in Hawaii because why wouldn't you, uh, why wouldn't you quit your job <laughs> and then go to Hawaii for a week? Mm -hmm. 
And while I was in Hawaii, there was this huge cutback and all these people got laid off. And so I was like, I was ahead of the curve. I was yeah. super happy about that. But I do have to say, you know, I'd saved up money. I was, I was, you know, ready to do this. And I had this whole oops, book of clients that I was, okay, these are people I'm going to deal with. And for the first three months, I had no work, mm-hmm. none whatsoever. And I was, I was getting a little panicky. I still remember the day my husband came in and he's like, are you ever going to have work? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I will. <laughs> but I was so stunned by that. And then years later, he apologized for mm-hmm. saying that. <laughs> but it did take three months before people came in because all the people that I thought were going to come to me, no, they didn't. Um, so it was, it was three months of, well, here I am arranging mm-hmm. pencils. <laughs> so, yeah, the, uh, the, it can really be a humbling experience. I mean, to be honest, three months from my experiences and from interviewing, you know, over 80 other solopreneurs, three months isn't actually all that bad. If, if you, if you look at the average and there's nothing more humbling than hanging out your sign and realizing that it takes more than hanging out your sign to, <laughs> exactly. to, to get real business coming in. But so what, what do you think it was, Ellen, that ultimately led to getting the ball rolling? Like how did the, what did the like three to 12 month mark look like? Much better. Actually. <laughs> well, there's only one way to go, right? <laughs> there's really, well, yeah, I just was not going back to working in someone's office. Mm-hmm. And um, so it looked much better, but, um, you know, it was, it was revisiting people that I had sent letters to, uh, you know, it was a different, it was also a different time. It wasn't like we were like firing up the internet all the time. And like said, I was mm-hmm. writing letters, uh, mm-hmm. calling people. And so it was finally, okay, Hey, we've got this little job or can you, can you come in and work in the office for a few days? Cause somebody's out. And it was getting those first initial people to pull me in and then, you know, word of mouth got going, right. uh, but you know, three months at that point, because freelancing and things like that weren't as common. Working from home wasn't as common. And so it was, uh, I didn't have a lot of people I could go, huh, you know? And I didn't want to tell people either, like, hey, by the way, nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. So it's good to know that, you know, it does take longer, but at the time it was, it was, oh my God, yeah, I'm never going to work again. So, so what do you recommend? Because uh, if, if you could save some people from, and even if it's just reiterating to be aware that you are going to go through this terrible time, if you do end up starting your own business, but for those that are listening that are thinking about pulling the trigger, or maybe they, maybe they're in that first or second month, what are two or three things you would recommend to them to make it easier or to, you know, what were, maybe there were a couple things that, that actually you, you noticed led to those first few clients that you would recommend that they do? Uh, not giving up on the people don't that you've, you've reached out to, mm-hmm. you know, okay, Hey, I've, I've started my business and you know, crickets. Well, a couple months later, reach out and go, Hey, still doing my own business. <laughs> What's happening with you? I mean, that's still something I'm, I'm doing now. I mean, I have stacks of, of business cards and contacts and I am reaching out to people and just saying, Hey, 
how are you, you know, how are you doing, especially now? How are mm -hmm. you doing with COVID? You know, da-da-da, always, is there any way I can help you? And it's not a sales call in anything. It's just a, a, a touching. It's a, a warm call to say, hey. And a lot of times people then ask, well, what are you doing? And especially mm -hmm. in the case of starting a business, well, I'm doing this. And, you know, if pressed, you can always say, you know, I'd love for you to refer me. You're not asking them for work. You're like, you know, if something comes up and you talking to somebody and let's say they need a graphic designer. Hey, could you mention my name? Mm -hmm. But without being salesy, but just doing that one on one communication, because ultimately that's that's how we work together. Yeah. It's just not being afraid. It, it's such a great point. It could even be as little as maybe when you reached out to them last month, they didn't open that email or they were so bogged down that week, they actually needed it, but forgot. And so you, the, the approach that I've kind of taken in that regard is you never know, right? But like you said, do it properly, be respectful, be friendly, add value. Uh, I think that's great, great advice. So Ellen, let's talk about that business a little bit more. And the reason I'm interested is because we like to help solopreneurs build you know, big successful businesses for themselves. And it sounds like you built a really big and successful business in that first shot, right, that, that you took. Uh, there may have been like different iterations of it or maybe it took you, I don't know how long, but what do you think ultimately led to the success of, of that graphic design slash advertising business? Maybe if you can summarize it in a few kind of keys to success that others would be able to replicate themselves. Uh, professionalism, I think is is the main main point and i think a lot of that came from actually you know working in someone else's business and and keying in on what you learned one of the things mm -hmm. i always got from printers you know i'd be sending my files in it was always like we love to get your files because we know they're perfect and mm -hmm. when they say perfect that there was just all of the attention to the minor little things that you would need to to know and i'm not going to go in because it, it's, you know, publishing jargon, mm -hmm. but the things that you needed to know. And if I didn't know them, I would make a point of learning them and making sure that I followed through with them because all I always wanted to be here is the, the perfect package. It's put it, you're not going to have to come back to me. Right. I wanted it to be easy to work with me and that would have been a, the key thing that people wouldn't be like oh crap her mm -hmm. files there's right. going to be fonts missing there's going to be you know no it's just she knew what she was doing it was it was professionally done and i think that was important because then printers would refer me other people that that hired me would know that they were taken care of that it wasn't there wasn't any hand holding it just it's that feeling where you know if you're having a a leak in your sink and you call a plumber and the plumber comes and is like i've got this and then he takes care of it that feeling of okay someone's taking mm -hmm. care of me not like the plumber that shows up and goes hmm well, uh, you know <laughs> there's no yeah. sense of authority and i think that is part of it is just being in charge, being professional, knowing exactly your business and Definitely. taking so people trust you. Right. And so, yeah, you get I got referred because of that. So it became word of mouth. Right. 
It kind of sounds, Ellen, like you'd actually make a pretty good lawyer based off of some of those, <laughs> the uh, the advantages that you're you know that you're that you're listing off here. But we, we won't go there right now. Uh, that ship so, has sail. Yeah, oh, I, I could only imagine. Uh, so, Ellen, that so that's great. So this business gets off the ground. Things are going really well. And then take us through what led to the I don't know what to call it the unproductive phase. Mm. Uh, what was it? you know, stuff in personal life was mixing over, but when things are going so well, you're building a great business, what happened to uh, distract you? I don't know. I'd yeah, love, well, I'm interested I mean, to hear though that phase. Yeah, we went through another recession. So mm -hmm. there was there was, uh, there was a contraction of, of the clients, of the things that I was getting. Um, so a lot of the stuff I, I was not getting the, the big things that I wanted that I enjoyed doing. So I was focusing on smaller things that, yeah, for lack of a better word, did not spark joy. Mm -hmm. and, and without that joy, it was easy to just, you know, do other things, get, get distracted, give into procrastination. In retrospect, if I had looked at my bank balance, like every morning, I think that would have lit a better fire under me but it was yeah. just um i wasn't excited i wasn't excited about what was going on and that made it really easy to do the whole shiny squirrel thing of like oh that's way more interesting than this flyer i'm doing for a credit union you mm -hmm. know like yeah what's there yeah, and, and I'm sure we'll get a little bit more into it, but I actually think that that's kind of what you can boil, pro, you know, productivity or lack of productivity down to, right? Is it, mm -hmm. am I interested enough in what I'm supposed to be doing, or are the other options looking that much better than than what I could be doing? But let let's get into a little bit more about that topic. I mean, it's 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 your specialty. It sounds like it's your life these days, which is. Mm -hmm which is it's a good time to have that as as your life because of the way the <laughs> I mean the whole world's working from home pretty much right now a lot of it right. is at least so you said you you did a lot of learning you were basically implementing your the, what you were learning yourself Pe people were taking a notice can you talk mm -hmm. about what the shift was like actually like did you shut down that other business did you sell it and and how did you end up making that whole shift because that is a big shift right moving it's from one business to an entirely different one yeah and it was not a clean pivot it wasn't like like you said it wasn't like i shut down on friday and monday i like hey <laughs> here i am um it, it was a slow pivot where i uh you know i like you said, I mean, I started using these tools and systems and people began to notice and I began helping people, writing about it, kind of shifting my identity. But for a lot of my graphic design advertising clients, I didn't let them know right away just because, again, money was a, a, always an issue. I, I wanted strangely to keep eating on a regular basis and so, usually important yeah it, you know somewhat so i i did like a gradual pivot where i i built up the new business little by little people learned about it and as other the clients might have you know attrition out uh, their projects done and i didn't actively seek new business so right. i just you know, ramped up the new one, kind of let the old one peter out. Um, 
there was a point where I finally had to just tell a client, you know what, I'm not doing that anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and here's somebody that can do it for you. So it was very much a, a, a slow pivot. Right. And so how did you approach starting that new business? Because the first one was pretty clear service, right? Hey, I do graphic design work. These are probably the yeah. targets. Here's how I'll advertise to them and they'll say yes or no. What, how, how different was it now moving to a productivity coach? Did you even know that that was kind of what it was that you were going to sell, right? Maybe you were making courses or eBooks or how, how did you approach that type of business? Well, again, we uh, there was the experimentation. There was a few things that I thought about, you know, here's the stuff I can teach you about doing things. And I looked at, at different groups of people. And, you know, originally my whole thing was I was, I was going to work with women going through divorces and, and dealing with, you know, trying to focus and doing all that stuff because I had gone through one. And then I decided, you know, I don't want to relive that because <laughs> again, no joy. <laughs> so, uh, It's, a, it's such a, an interesting question. Um, so, um, yeah, the, much the same as I talked about earlier, experimentation. and mm -hmm. uh, Looking at, you know, okay, do I want to deal with this group? What would I share with people? What are people needing help with? And, yeah, it, it's like a, it's a very broad, hey, productivity. Everybody has different issues with what they can get done. Um, you know, I talk about. I know one day I was talking with a friend and I was talking about when people have downtime or they, you know, have this time, free time where they're not using it like they should. And she's a teacher and she's like, ah, there is no downtime in my, <laughs> and I'm like, note to self. Okay. Mm -hmm. Teachers, not my group. Uh, so it was, it was very much an experimenting and finding out who needed what and what appealed to me. So you know, I've done like consulting with randomly attorney's offices because they were not, especially smaller ones, they were not, everybody wasn't pulling their weight or not doing what they needed and came in and worked with their offices. And I'm like, okay, this works. And there was other things that I did where it's like, no, people don't want that or you know I would run workshops and to me this is like oh my god I would go to a workshop like this and if in an hour I could learn all of this and now people didn't care about that hmm. so it was very much experimentation did I have a business plan yeah I had I, you know it wasn't super detailed but it was like this is what I'm going to do and six months in it was very much hey let me look that didn't work I mean it was more of a, a, a business guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, some, it was a plan of what I thought would work and then experimenting and finding out. So it was going with the flow. I mean, that's kind of what business is, right? Uh, we can make plans, we can make projections ultimately until you test and pivot and, and learn what the market actually wants and how they want it. Uh, we're all just traveling with the lights off, right? And, and trying to find our way. So it's good to hear, Ellen. So let's talk more about productivity. Uh, there's probably a lot that we can touch on. The first question that I have is, what were some of the most unproductive things you found yourself doing when you first got into that 
uh, we'll just call it unproductive phase while you were still running your graphic design business. Um, like what, what were some of the most common unproductive kind of patterns you were recognizing and or what are common ones that most people struggle with today? Well, we talked about getting distracted because things aren't interesting. I mean, your brain, your limbic system loves the new and novel mm -hmm. and it is most easily attracted to the new and novel when it's not enjoying what you're doing. So it was like I talked about before, super easy to get distracted. I would, I would play games. <laughs> and then, mm -hmm. Hey, there's, there's a game on my computer. Let me just jump over there or the whole deep dive into something that has no meaning whatsoever to your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The internet is, fantastic for that. So there was a lot of just wasting time, just wasting time. Okay. Some of the other things, you know, besides the, the internet, you know, it could, it was everything else, you know, like I say, you know, phone calls, or I could just get tr off track doing, Hey, laundry needs to be done mm -hmm. or this needs to be done. And, and I know, that this is not rare, especially a lot of people are, are now encountering this and we'll probably get into that working from home. Just everything becomes exciting if it's not, if it's something other than what you're supposed to be doing that you're not excited by. Right. And, well, and, and I, I fell into that. I think you're probably right, Ellen, that it's kind of normal, right? And it can happen with everyday things. And then you pile on top of that the fact that we are now I mean, we're carrying around these distraction machines. We're talking on distraction machines like the internet and, and phones. I mean, it's almost unfair, right? Like how, how do you expect, especially younger, the younger generations or people who are, you know, maybe haven't had long careers and all of a sudden, you know, there's choice A, boring work, and there's choice B, anything I wanna do that could be fun on the internet games i mean you, you hear about companies like facebook and stuff like that where they basically have departments dedicated to figuring out how to keep you on on their apps longer so how do you even considering that a, a, as well i mean where should people even begin to approach productivity given it's 2020 we're working from home and all this tech app stuff is just pulling us the other way as well well, I think, and, and I teach this and talk to people about it, is you have to be smarter. Mm -hmm. You have to be smarter than that. And, and it doesn't mean you have to be brilliant and like, oh yeah, this isn't gonna be happening. You just have to be one step ahead of yourself. Your future mm -hmm. self really has to take care of yourself now. So that means, for instance, on my computer, I have blockers. I use, I'm on a Mac, so I use self-control, which I can set up that it's going to block me for, it can block me up to 24 hours. Hmm. I can say, you know, at the end of the day, I can put it on, uh, you know, I have picked the apps and things that are the biggest time wasters for me and I can set it up. So let's say I shut down work at six o'clock. I can't get back on these websites and things until maybe three the next afternoon. Hmm. I have to have the willpower to set those up. Mm -hmm. But if I can block myself, I've saved myself from, from going down that rabbit hole. There's all sorts 
of, of different blockers you can get that, that will block you across all of your devices, which is key because if I block my computer, yeah, I still have a phone, I still have an iPad, you know, I go, yeah. oh. but if I can block all of that, uh, that helps the blockers just mm -hmm. being stronger than yourself. It's, it's like being able to turn off your phone and put it in a drawer for two hours so you don't see it. It's, it's just being smarter than yourself. And I'd say, if you know that you're still gonna get distracted, fine, get distracted, but make the performance of that distraction, like you said, let's say getting on Facebook or Instagram or something that's, ugh, the whole idea is they're gonna hold your attention, fine, do it. But while you're doing it, you have to make it awkward. So hmm. that might mean you have to walk around your house while you're on Instagram, or you have to go stand outside when it's cold or it's hot. Mm -hmm. uh, you play video games, but you've got to have gloves on or a motorcycle helmet. Hmm. Make it uncomfortable because as soon as you get comfortable, you know, we, I mentioned the limbic system before, the fallback there for your brain is to be comfortable. It wants the comfort zone. That's why it's called the comfort zone. It wants to be comfortable. So if you're hmm. slouched on the couch, playing a video game, looking at your phone, there is nothing that is appealing to your brain about getting up and going to work mm -hmm. because you're in that whole body is your body's relaxed. You're enjoying something that you're getting little hits of dopamine. There's nothing that is going to get you up off that couch. But if you're already, you're walking around, you're doing whatever on your phone, yeah, I'm looking at Facebook. There comes a point where, you know what? This isn't really fun. It's right. I'm getting little hits of dopamine, but I'm still, my body is active. I'm not relaxed. And yeah. that helps to short circuit it. So you make those distractions awkward to do. That's a really good way of of putting it, I never really thought of it as physical, right? I always thought of productivity as a mental thing. I, I have to be focused. I take a break, uh, blah, blah, blah. I never thought about kind of bringing in the, the physical element, which is a really good idea. The other thing that's really worked for me is scheduling it, right? Like you show me someone who isn't unproductive at all and you show me like God himself, right? Uh, <laughs> but, but if I can schedule little five minute, 10 minute slots, mm -hmm. lunch breaks, where I'm just, look at Reddit as much as you want, right? Watch that exactly. Twitch stream, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> it, helps, it helps as well. Do you have any other, maybe like two or three other tips or tricks, Ellen, like practical, what could I do tomorrow that will make me do product, uh, be more productive? It could be stuff that you just said, walking around, maybe yeah. planning, scheduling, anything related to that? Oh, I've got all of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and just like you said, you know, like lunch, okay, it's lunch, I'm going to, to look at Reddit. I have done it before where I set on my phone, which uh, always touching your phone is a moment of choice, whether you give in to distractions or doing your regular thing. <laughs> but I will set up alarms that will go off at five minutes to the top of the hour. So I know that I work for 55 minutes and then I have five minutes to do whatever I want and then alarm goes off. Mm -hmm. So it is scheduling because again, then your brain knows that you're going to get that time. And so it doesn't right. go looking for things to do. Um, timing, timing is a huge thing. I, uh, I don't know, 
I use one of those timers that you can just roll over and it times oh, for interesting. you. Wow. So I didn't know that existed. 30, 20. They're awesome. Wow. So for those who are just listening, Ellen's holding oh. up. It, it almost looks like a cube with a clock on one side and then numbers on the on each numbers different on numbers. The other. Yeah. And then like if I went with a 30 minute as when I switch it over the timer, I tip it down and it just starts doing 30 oh, minutes. Wow. Very cool. Um, and I will tell you who makes this real quick. Uh, she said, trying to see. <laughs> uh, Moas, M-O-O-A-S. Okay, I'll have to take a look. No affiliation. Um, and they I'm come assuming. with, they come on. Yes, they come with different timing things, um, or just you know kitchen timers. This is like hmm. my favorite kitchen timer, <laughs> um, because kitchen timers, if you just set a timer, and work during that period of time, and and maybe it's fifteen minutes, maybe it's twelve. There's no magic like. I know people know about Pomodoros. Oh, 25 minutes and then you take a five. Yeah, there's nothing magic there. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've got if you've got 23 minutes, set a timer and use it. Because when you have you know, you have you know you have this amount of time, you're going to use it. It's not you're not going to waste it. Mm -hmm. But when you start to do that, always know what you want to get done. That's why I'm I'm a big right. post-it note person. Okay, I'm going to have 30 minutes between this call and this call. These are the three things I'm going to get done. And I put it on a, a, a post-it note. And usually I want to have more things on there than I probably will do. Because if I get those first three things done and I still got time left, rather than sitting there and going, well, I could do this, I could do that, where you just right. waste time, you've already got the next thing. Hmm. Um, one that I love to do and I have on my desk, I always have a pair of dice, hmm. a pair of just regular dice. And what works well is if you look at your list, a lot of times there's things that have the same priority. You know, I need to do this. I need to do that. And you can waste so much time and get so distracted by deciding. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want no, I, no, no. just number them. Just mm -hmm. number those things. Roll the dice. Whatever num com number comes up that's the thing you do get right. it done cross it off roll the dice again so uh right. you eliminate eliminating choices because choices are wonderful moments of of choice where you can decide whether to get distracted or not and when you waste time using up energy mm -hmm. that you could be doing something else and making choices great way to procrastinate so. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it it makes so much sense, especially the last piece. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a to do list guy, like, and it's it's on my desk at all times. Like, this is my right. to do list. I never actually thought about the benefit of having more things on that list than you can get done. Because at the very least, you get what you need done. At the very most, you might get even more fit in that day. What what I've ended up doing, and then maybe this can help some people is sometimes I'll I'll mark down the four or five items that I know I need to get done that day and I don't know what order per se to do them in. That is a great idea with the dice. What I have been doing up until now is I just put numbers in order. Because what I do yeah. at the beginning of the day is I put a star next to what I need to get done today. Then I go through the stars and I typically order them in order of importance. Sometimes it's not clear. 
And so instead of wasting time trying to think more about what the order is, I just go one, two, three, four, five, and then I just start doing them because at the uh -huh. very least I'll get them done faster. I like the dice idea. The last thing I quickly want to add with the with the Pomodoro technique, which I totally agree is, I actually like the Pomodoro technique, but like you said, the number is is random and might not be optimal because if you have deep work to get done, I, you know, there's too many mm -hmm. studies now saying that, you know, you don't actually get into flow until like the 20, 30 minute mark. So if you have right. to do deep thinking, you might need the 55 on, 10 off or whatever the heck the numbers are. So I, I really like that stuff. Ellen, what about if someone is stuck with one or maybe they have one or two big tasks that they need to get done, but they are those unenjoyable tasks, right? We've kind of alluded to it a little bit throughout this episode where what you have sitting between you and being done is just not fun, right? Whatever it is, that's going to be different depending on the person. Is there anything different that they, that person might want to do or, or how can someone approach that so that they get it done as soon as possible? Because for <laughs> me, it feels like it's those tasks that I put off the longest that I mm -hmm. tend to procrastinate on the most until I just finally suck it up and do it. Maybe I put on some more like higher energy music in the background or I don't even know what. Do you have any advice on how to get over those? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I was just waiting for you to say the phrase I always hear from people. They're like, yeah, I put them off, I put them off, and then I did it and it took like three minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what I would do is, is I'm going to go back to timers because in these situations, because a lot of times we do blow them up oh my God, it's going to take forever. And it, it does take five minutes. So I'm a big believer in, in just set a timer for five minutes. And, you know, that can be mm. as easy as just, you know, if you have a, a, one of those things in your house where you say her name and she sets the timer for you, just set a timer for five minutes and get going. And you can, one of two things is going to happen. First, it's going to be super easy you're going to play beat the clock and and try and get that get it done within the five minutes or if it's a longer thing uh the zagarnik effect is going to jump in and that's a cognitive bias that once you've started something your brain wants you to finish it it doesn't mm -hmm. like open loops that's why commercials they you know commercials that start and they have like a little vignette and then the middle and you will stay on that commercial to see that all wrapped up and same right. with books movies things like that so you want to create that in your brain that you get started and once you've done it for five minutes and there's still more to do you want to keep going so you mm -hmm. set the timer five minutes it's, it's sort of the magic number to get going or play beat the clock with yourself and right. I, I especially for short things yeah I've, I've done that where oh you know i need to put a new battery in the smoke detector and sew on a button and take three boxes out to the garage and those things you know they don't get done but if i set a timer for 10 minutes boom i'm playing beat the clock it's a game my game you know your brain loves games mm -hmm. you you don't want to get distracted i'm, I'm going to sew the button on and then i can, no 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 i got to beat the clock Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's a basic, it's a, it's a sprint to get your things done, but playing games with your brain is one of the best things you can do because right. really inside your brain, it's like a three-year-old and three-year-olds right. love games, play games. Absolutely. That's great advice. Ellen, one of the last things I want to ask you about is 
we're most of us are working from home. Most of us are working from home for the first time ever. And most of us might be working from home for, for quite some time. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how different industries adjust. And, you know, some tech companies are saying, oh, permanent work from home. Some aren't, et cetera, et cetera. But either way, how can people be more productive at home? And or what do you think are some rules that people should put in place when working from home to improve their productivity? Well, you touched on it earlier. Having a schedule is definitely one of the things you do want. And it doesn't have to be uh, this rigid like 9 to 9.05, I do this and then I do that. But a, an idea of what you want to get done and an idea of how that, that looks for you. Because you're so used to having co-workers and bosses and things you've had this accountability that people are there and all of a sudden without that accountability it's really easy to watch netflix all morning and then go oh i need to get that done so having some sort of schedule or outcome plan for outcomes and that's you know that's as easy as you could take a post-it note and write down the five things that you have to accomplish that day. This is not a to-do list because you're not gonna put, this is what has to be done and this is what I'm gonna do. But you have this outline of your day, five things that have to be accomplished and then it's up to you to fill in the blanks, to do what you have to do during the day to make that happen. So having a schedule. I'm not a huge believer or proponent of like you have to get dressed like you're going to work but mm -hmm. i would say get in some sort of clothes that indicate to you that you're working um i love yoga pants just like anyone but in my mind those are comfy pants and comfy pants are after work when i'm not working so mm -hmm. find something that that does bring to mind that yeah this is this is the working time and if you have to, especially like for focus time, adopt something that tells you this is focus time. I have writers I work with and they have baseball caps that they put on when it's writing time. And when that cap is on, hmm. that's when they're writing. And when the cap comes off, then they're not. It could hmm. be John Waters, the, uh, the, you know, he's an author, movie producer, all the crazy stuff that he's done. He has a brown sweater that he puts on when it's time to be creative. And, and then he knows that's the time that he's working on, on television scripts or books or whatever. But he's got the brown sweater he puts on. Right. So Hope he washes it regularly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and have a space. You know, having a space where you know that this is, this is where I work. And I know that's difficult for some people from work from home because, wow, they never expected the dining room table to be their office. Mm -hmm. So having spaces that you can use that this is this is my workspace this is my relaxing space and if you can't do that then do that with do the the clothing thing or even maybe it's a, a piece of jewelry but something that puts your mind in the place of this is work time because that otherwise it just becomes all amorphous and you've got to segment it out absolutely Totally agree with all that stuff. Really good advice, Ellen. Thanks again very much for coming on, sharing your story, sharing this advice, which, as I said, I think this is probably more 
more important for most people than ever before. If people are interested in learning more about you, getting more of your content, maybe even getting in touch, where do you recommend that they go? Okay, I'm at my website is ellengoodwin.com. My book is called Done How to Work When No One's Watching. So it's very much the work from home, and that's available mm -hmm. on Amazon. Um, I'm on Ellen Goodwin, pretty much most of the socials. Instagram, it's Done the Book. Um, and in January, just because people are having issues with focus and procrastination, and it's going to be a whole new year and we're going to be really excited, I'll be running a 21-day accountability challenge, and that will all be coming out uh, December 16th. So if you join me on Facebook, Instagram, on my join the website, uh, you can get all the information when it comes out. Awesome. We will have all of those links in the description, whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on your favorite platform. This episode will be going live a couple days before then, in, in the middle of December. So timing will be perfect. Ellen, thank you again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Josh, for having me. This has been really fun. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you want to join the Solopreneur Grind community, we recently started a Slack group for other like-minded solopreneurs who are starting or thinking about starting or are already well on their way to working on their own businesses. Doesn't matter the size. Make sure to check us out at solopreneurgrind.com slash join if you want to join this group. We're constantly sharing ideas, bouncing ideas off of one another, helping each other out in all areas of business and life and all that sort of stuff. Make sure to check it out, solopreneurgrind.com slash join, solopreneurgrind.com slash join. Take care and thanks very much for listening.